It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Yo, man. Boomus Rusty, Boomus Rusty, Boomus Rusty. What is happening, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Public Access Podcast of the podcast here on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network, QGEN, and with other great shows that I co-host, such as When the Gloves Come Off, the Thinking Man's Pro Wrestling Podcast, This Is It with Lizzie, and Say by the Bim, is brought to you by Stonery's Productions, Red Band Savage's Buck, Hardcore Entertainment, Hypnosis is Great, and SuckEmUp.org. And so this is my last show of the week, Friday. Off for a few days so you can get caught up. So, yeah, thank you everyone for being here. Like, share, subscribe. Do all that stuff. You can find this anywhere, um, you know, anywhere you listen to podcasts, YouTube, Rumble. I don't care. Somewhere where I'll make some money off you looking at this. So, <laughs> or listening to it. Any way we do it is going to, so. I just get out and listen and enjoy it. And uh, you'll get to see my guest here, right here, right now. Right here, right now. We have Kimberly Mansfield. How are you doing? Good morning. At least morning. here on the West Coast. So great. Ooh, Thanks. On the West Coast. So I, I saw a picture. You can't hear me? No, I can't hear you. But oh. are you in Bay City? I'm not. Okay. No, um, my friend uh, is he uh, the one of my other co-hosts. He lives in Bay City. Um, I saw on your Instagram you had a picture of Mount Hood on there, so I, I saw it right away. I was like, "Oh, that's Mount Hood." Um, so, well, I saw the Bay City, so I didn't know if you were there or if you had a business there or what. Because I'm 50 miles. I I do. I well, I have a business there, but. You're 50 yeah. miles from there? I would be, yeah, right over In, like, inland. West. Um, and Mount Hood is right there. Um, I'm basically looking at that. Hillsborough. Well, actually, that picture from upstairs. So off 26 or something? Pretty much. Forest Grove. Forest Familiar? Grove. All right. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Grand Lodge out there. Yeah, yeah. So, good place right there. Nice, uh, nice soaking pool there. Um Ben. I, I'm right here and <laughs> you're, you're right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I grew up out there and then yeah, the guy that I run, uh, he co-hosts one of the shows and, um, we run a 501 C three together. So then that's based out of the Portland area or I guess Bay city. So. Gotcha. But, yeah. So, uh, I guess we're going to start there. So what was it like for you? Are you, are you someone that's been in Oregon or the Portland area for a long time? Or what's your story with that? Are you in the last 10 years or are you from California I... in the last 30 years? <laughs> <laughs> All of the above. Um, yes. My life on the circuitous route is um, I started out here. I was born and raised here, not in for, I mean, I wasn't born in Forest Grove. We were in Came to Forest Grove probably, oh man, I was grade school when we came here from like Astoria and other places. So, but Forest Grove is pretty much what I remember. But I um, 
I graduated a year early from high school and was gone. So uh, I was in Seattle area and stuff for a while. And then I was in California for a while. And then I was kind of back in Oregon and then back in Washington and then back in California. And then from California, was in Boston and lived out there for eight years. So um, I still have my Boston cell number. Um, I will die with my Boston cell number and all of the people attached to it. And then I- just I, went there for the first time. Did like you? A month ago, yeah. Did you love it? It's pretty nice, yeah. I'm about um, an hour 40 from there. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I, I'm like kind of between um, New York and Boston, so. Gotcha. But, yeah. So, I used to pass you because I took the express bus between Boston and New York a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's uh probably did. I, I wasn't there yet. I didn't. I've only been here like seven months. So I'm gotcha. still I'm still new to this. But so you were in Boston. What What were you doing out in Boston? Um. Well, at the time, an ex like the company I was working for when we were in Southern California picked up and moved us and transplanted to open new um, their new locations in Boston, the first in Boston and New York and on the East coast. And he was a big troubleshooter and stuff. So we went out to there and then, um, I kept the name and didn't keep the person and I was there. So I was acting and directing and coaching when I was in Boston and I had started in LA and stuff, but then I continued out there and, um, and kept pretty busy. And when I finally burnouts and it was time to go, I, uh, I got my passports and I sold everything I couldn't give away. And I came back to Portland and I bought a truck and a tent and I just left and um, spent about 5,800 miles between here and Key West. So you went to Portland and got uh, got a truck and a, what, what do you say, a truck and a tent? Yeah. And you, and you left Portland. I did. Not, not really. The, most people, uh, yeah, now um yeah I haven't really and, uh, traveled much I mean I'd been in spotty places but not like so um yeah just um me and my truck my well I mean it was an SUV so Betty um okay. Betty, me Betty, and Betty SUV, Boop, SUV. And How, what was your route down uh, there from Portland so to I was generally headed for Key West. Um, so, because, you know, that's about as far as you can get without mm-hmm. getting wet. And I went through Southern California and where did I go? I came up through Colorado. So up through the South, so up through um, Grand Canyon and up through that way and through okay. Colorado. And then I hooked down and went through Texas. And then I came up from Texas I had, I left Austin with a destination of Clarksdale, Mississippi, because there was a restaurant I wanted to eat at there. And what so, was the restaurant? Um, Madidi, it was called Madidi. I don't know if Madidi still exists. So I'd had this, this terror. I had torn this thing out of, uh, a, uh, God knows what magazine when I was in Boston and I just held it. I kept this terror out about this, this magnificent restaurant and the mahogany in it. And it's in some small town small as an overstatement for Clarksdale, Mississippi. Um, And it's on this tiny thing. So Morgan Freeman and his partner, and I just forgot his partner's name, John, 
Anyway, um, own this restaurant. And that apparently was Morgan Freeman's hometown, but it's this beautiful mahogany. And for a short while, I guess for about a year before I left Boston, I had, I was burnt out on what I was doing. I was just overworked and needed a change and a breath. And so I'd been bartending. And so I was really into like the food and Bev scene at, at that time I was doing like really high volume, um, high visibility bartending. And so I thought, I'm going to go to this place. I'm going to go to this place. So I drove like 1100 miles out of my way wow. to go to dinner and had the most magnificent experience in Clarksdale, Mississippi. It, it's one of the coolest things I remember in my life. Um, they weren't lying. Because yeah, they, one, it's beautiful. I don't, I'm not even sure that there's a stop sign in this town. There might've been. Um, and because, you know, they thought it was so novel. They're like, clearly I was no local. So, you know, they want the story and I had the thing. So I pull out the thing, right? My page that I ripped out of the magazine. Oh, um, okay. And, you know, the next thing I know, I'm like, uh, what do you recommend for dinner? And the next thing, you know, like the chef's coming out and he was some Michelin starred, like something in this like super cool guy. And I was like, you know, I trust you. Uh, I don't remember what he made me, but it was magnificent. And at some point, the partner came over who was dining and came over and had a chat with me and apologized that Morgan wasn't around that, <laughs> that week. Like, oh, shucks. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and made me their guest for the night and um, they have a juke joint. Have you ever been to a juke joint? No, I can't say that I have been to a juke joint. What is a juke joint? Me either. Um, it's a, you know, I'm going to, anyone with like, I'm not using terms of art here, so I don't want to offend anyone. <laughs> no, you're not going to offend anyone. You know, in, Miss, in Mississippi, who like could tell me exactly what a juke joint is. So we go down the street after dinner to their juke joint. And it's where like you walk into this warehousey space and there's not a chair or table or cup in the place that matches. And it's just this super um, warehousey. And it is the rawest, funnest, like, blues and you know jet like the whole area the music was phenomenal and I'm just you know you're sitting in these things pinching your head going and a few hours ago I was in Austin <laughs> and there's yeah. these crazy things um and the night wrapped up by the very very large bouncer man outside storming in the door which I saw him come in and he reaches into an office and grabs a handgun and storms back out the door. And the next thing we're all being escorted to our cars because shots have been fired across the street and we all need to go. So, oh, that's, I mean, that's a good, uh, you don't have to go home, but uh, get the hell out of here kind of a deal. You need to go Maybe. somewhere. <laughs> so, did you hear the gunshots? We didn't hear, I mean, it was loud in there. So, no, we, okay. did, we did not hear them. So um, but through the course of the night, they had gotten to, you know, they wanted me to consult on like their wine list and the menu and they wanted me to stay and they already had a house that I wouldn't have to pay for. And I was like, <laughs> wow, love y'all, but I am not staying in Clarksdale, Mississippi. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. So then yeah. you left and then yep, that was, that was the end of Clarksville. Yeah. Mississippi. And then it was a record day of, um, tornadoes going, which I'd never been in a tornado going across um, Mississippi the next day when I woke up in my truck doing this. 
and took off driving and you just watch the sky. I don't know if you've ever been in the Midwest or the South in tornadoes. It's pretty tricky. I haven't been too close. Um, I lived in Minnesota and so we'd hear the sirens and there'd be alerts all the time, but I never saw a tornado. Um, I, I saw both of our shares. (laughs) <laughs> cool great yeah i don't want to ever see one i don't i have a buddy who yeah. loves he's like i want to go and chase tornadoes i want to be anywhere near that mm-hmm. stuff oh crazy people um yeah and i was yep. headed for new orleans and that's where like that strip and so obviously new orleans quickly left my list and i was just heading east trying to get out of this because it kind of comes up you know there's like a big swath when they happen sure that's scientific term um and i was driving east and <laughs> my poor dad, I call my dad in Oregon, right? And I've been driving for hours and hours and hours, white knuckling. And I literally watch cars get blown off the road. There's semis upside down. And I don't know. I mean, I just have me in the middle of nowhere to go. And so yeah. just white knuckling it because it's the only way to stay on the road, right? Like you, um, and I just kept driving and driving and I was so exhausted. And I, I think I might've been in Alabama at that point. And I called my dad because I was like, you know what? <laughs> if I don't make it, and I remember wow. sobbing at that point because I was so tired and my hands hurt so bad. And he's like, forget New Orleans, drive east, drive east. And it's so loud, pelting on my car that I'm screaming, sobbing, I'm driving east. <laughs> <laughs> and I drove all the way to Pensacola wow. that day. So I drove about 10 hours in tornadoes. Whoa. And we had to stop and pull off and let the last one go in front of us. And then I pulled into a rest area in Pensacola. And I was like, you know what? I'm done. You know, if you're going to take me, just let me fall asleep first. That's all I asked for. Just let me be asleep. I'll be Dorothy. Let's go. But I can't. I was done. Yeah. 10 hours of white knuckle. It's going to put you in a whole different mind space. Then yeah. It's not like you, you need can go to be seven, driving, you know, right. When you're, yeah. It was crazy times. Gosh, I haven't remembered that one in a long time. And so what what happened when you were in Florida? Um, So I got to Key West and um, I went and figured I'd, you know, bartend because it's a seasonal place and I could go bartend during the season and I'd worked really high volume stuff. So that's kind of what I went down for. And I lived on a houseboat as you should, if you're going to, you know, be in Key West, which was super cool and amazing my rickety little houseboat that was the size of a thimble um (laughs) and so I bartended for the season and it's craziness there um but you know the weather's good I could bike and run all the time it's removed it's chill when it's you know in between the waves of 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 cruise ships and events and stuff like that yeah I bet Um, and a bartender, a bar owner in Missouri came into my bar in Key West and said, ever been to Lake of the Ozarks? <laughs> no. Uh, is there a lake in the Ozarks? Yeah. I've um, only been to Clark, Clarkville. Well, I, yeah, I've only been to Clarkdale, Clark, Mississippi. Clarkdale, Mississippi, yeah. <laughs> um, and he said, well, you know, you, you laugh, but we're here because we close for the winter. So, you know. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I've bartended in Boston on the front line and in Key West. Okay, Missouri. <laughs> but at the end of the season, I kind of left and camped my way up there and, you know, went through, I don't know, 10 states to get to Missouri and hung out in a little 
cabin in the woods and looked around and was like, nah, you know, I could probably sling a few drinks here. And, so and then did I you? ended up making ridiculous money. Uh, was ridiculous. it like Ozark, the, the show? Oh, Hum the Tune. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. You hear the, the remember the, yeah, deliverance tune is, um, and oh, it okay. actually is, there are lots of things about Ozark that would um, hit square home. Yeah. Um, so. Right. There's bodies in them woods. I bet. I bet. Uh, but the money was good enough. I went back eight, eight or nine summers. Um, wow. I could work just under four months a year and then travel and go back to school in the off season. And, you know. Seems like I an mean, all right brutal. way to do things. It's yeah. Physically brutal. It is not, that's not a lifetime bartending, a career bartending way. I mean, we were, you know, you have hooks for hands, like the volume is so high and um, it's, you know, it really is, you know, an aerobic activity and I'd work, I mean, I was working way too many hours. I mean, I'd work 110 hours a week at times, like it was, oh. yeah, but um, so it's just a giant lake as that happens. There's an, you know, a hundred mile long lake in um, Missouri that's, you know, it's people bar hop by boat and it's all water sports. Oh, second homes. So it's, I mean, there'll be over 10,000 boats on the lake on a busy Saturday. Like, yeah, oh. it's not tra traffic on the lake. Oh yeah. Oh, big time, big time. Dangerous actually. Um, that the water gets dangerous. so rough. Um, yeah. Lost a lot of people. Uh, uh what do you mean lost a lot of people? Um, I think in, in season, if you went through eight weeks or 10 weeks in season, then it was nearly, if you averaged it, like nearly a death a week. Just from people out on the, on the water. Yeah. Um, a lot of, um, you know, boating while intoxicated incidents. Um, I bet. People do crazy things, but uh, I mean, you also people just normal, like drownings, you get that many people in one place right yeah in the water um so that part of it was that was hard um because they'd been like people that had been my regulars and oh stuff. Um, i've been kind of right in front of our bar one night and i just sit there and bartend for like the next two and a half hours while the boats drug the cove for bodies it Whoa. was yeah yeah that would kind of throw off the uh, the vibe of the night, yeah. The vibe <laughs> of the night, night might change while you things get real, real yeah. fast. Yeah. yeah, someone doing that, and uh, so then you said in Boston, you said you were acting and coaching. Is that what you said? Yep, acting, directing, and coaching. Acting, yeah. directing, coaching, like act, acting and directing, like what kind of stuff? Uh, mostly theater. Um, and I had started, I started doing stuff in LA and their, um, commercials I did, I mean, over the period also in Boston, like bunches and bunches of commercials, lots of that, and some small independent film things. Uh, I liked the creative part. I liked working with, with script writer, screenwriters that were, you know, developing things. I found, um, that those were 
I don't know, more attractive to me. I didn't like when I started to lose my privacy. Um, when you, you know, and doing commercials and stuff, you kind of lose your privacy. And it's like, e that's, um, it's an odd, you know, it's they're yin and yang, two sides of the same point of being kind of in the business. Um, but I really like the theater. I'm sorry. So you're talking like seeing you from a commercial. It's like, oh, hey, it's, it's her from the commercial. You know, and billboards and things like that. And it's just, it's just odd. Uh, it wasn't a life I grew up in. You know what I mean? I didn't grow right. up in Southern California. I didn't grow up with family in. So it was, um, I, I keep my, my private life and doings like fairly private. I mean, here we are being visible, right? I get it. Yeah. But, but otherwise, um, so that's hard. but yeah. yes i have this and then everything else like nope right yeah nope. it's your well, life I mean, life yeah. is outside of this room right right very much so yeah that's what i yeah i'm a big fan of that i don't i'm not one of those people that, yeah puts every little little detail up on the yeah. you know, and i i don't i don't know i don't buy i don't know buy into it i don't read anybody else's stuff that they go and they I don't, I don't care, you know, like, I'll see you, I'll see you if I want here, we can talk, but I don't, I'm not gonna, I don't know, it's spend a bunch of time scrolling through stuff for instant gratification, maybe, uh, that you're hoping it's going to happen, but who knows, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't, yeah. I don't talk We got the about, Jomo going, right? Yeah, 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 I, I don't <laughs> not talk, yeah, I, I don't need my life yeah outside of this room this room is is it um but yeah so then what were the the theater what kind of uh new work mostly um only 95 percent. like i wasn't a classically trained or anything again i wasn't brought up in it so it was i like new stuff it's cool being in boston because some of there are writers there that bring stuff to boston to test it and uh, warm it up and so uh, I think my favorite, oh, I don't remember the name of the piece now, but I got to do a Teresa Rebeck piece that she debuted in Boston. And I got to, you know, do, it was a two person role. And it was one, I loved her work anyway, before that. And then she came to, you know, and they tweak and sort things out, right? When it's there. So she yeah. was on site tweaking, uh, but I got to, so that, that was pretty cool stuff. I like the development part, I guess, is what it comes down to. Um, script analysis was what script and characters is what hooks me about the whole thing. And from the get go, and that it was the first place in my life where I could have feelings without being <laughs> silenced and, you know, inconvenient and things like that. To me, it was like, it was the first time I had permission and, and it was a part of myself I'd, you know, I'd been trying to obliterate for so long. And then I finally found a home for it. And so it was kind of my way. I thought other people, I can't be alone. And it was my way to give people permission to feel like, yeah. and uh, so super therapeutic, I guess, is what I'm saying. Um, but it also, to me, serves kind of a bigger, a bigger purpose and to reach, you know, people. So. What, what do you mean you were trying to put away that part? I, I think I'm, I'm oh, speaking um, that incorrectly. Basically just 10 years of, 
alcohol and substance abuse. It was the only way I could have a conversation, you know, like socially. I think that I was incredibly, incredibly naive. I hadn't, you know, wasn't worldly. It wasn't traveled. I, it kind of greased the wheels. I was trying to put myself in the whole gender normed roles, you know, that you date, you get a man, you have a family, like, and that's what I knew growing up. Right. My oldest sister like did, and that's what everybody. And I was like, I always knew that was not my deal, but I didn't know what else existed in the world. So I didn't know what was my deal, but there's this, you know, this going on where all my life, like, I just remember always being a deep thinker and I can name that. I couldn't name it obviously as a kid. Right. Right. Um, and they don't but, teach about that kind of stuff in school. Of course not. Of course not. And, you know, and we know, right. Our parents do what they can with what they have and what they've known and, and grown. Right. And they're right. So that's how it perpetuates generationally. But I just never got over the, this, it never died inside that self-awareness and, and things like it just, you know, I was at odds with myself. I mean, I can, obviously I've done a lot of work on this. I can articulate it now and I get it and I forgive everyone, including myself. But, um, but I also see that, man, I, you know, I couldn't begin to tell you how many days I woke up and went, oh, what do you know? I'm still here. All right. And was just shocked, you know, and went and did it again. Do it again. again. Um, so, you know, and then, I mean, at some point, um, it was actually the LA County. (laughs) It was the Long Beach police who decided to end my, my run. Um, and you know, a few days in LA County lockup with like 20 of the toughest chicks in Southern California. Yeah. It's a wake up call, right? So that was, that's what it was right there. That, that time right there. Yeah, I immediately knew I was begging to get tips for somebody to end it. I was begging for whatever reason I couldn't myself. Right. Um, yeah. So you just went in there and you're you're bring it on. Let's do this or what was um well, you know, there were lots of requirements. Um uh when I got out as far as, you know, like oh. treatment requirements and check-in requirements and things like, you know, and all that. Um yeah. So yeah. Um and I did um and full disclosure, I mean, I I do partake in alcohol uh, on limited basis now, but I went 13 years before I did. Yeah. And in 13 years, like it was just a whole different life by then, like everything about that dynamic and people I was around and everything, you know, I had changed and shifted. So it was very different. It was a very conscious decision when I decided to have a glass of red wine. Um, How, what happened there? What, what was um, going on there where you just, where you found it was the right time? I don't know. What's weird is I knew when I was driving up from Key West to Missouri, it was so weird. I had this talk with myself and I was like, you know, life is so different and I feel so different. I am so different. Um, And that the next person who offers to buy me a drink, because it happened all the time, you know, and it was, I had no problem just saying, thanks, no thanks. I don't drink. I mean, I was perfectly comfortable not drinking when I was not, but I just said the next person who does, I'm going to have a glass of Merlot or low. I didn't even like Merlot, <laughs> but it stuck in my head. And, you know, I'd been at the 
lake, like probably a day. And I was a bar rat anyway, oh. I out with bartenders. I mean, that's what I knew. That was my world. And I had no problem sitting at bars, traveling internationally and sitting at bars and everything and not drinking. Like it just didn't um, bother me. But then I just yeah. decided to have that. And it was no, it was kind of no big deal um, when I did. And then it's just, it probably been moments. I mean, where, I mean, times over the past number of years where it's like, yeah, you know, I, it's not great. It's not good for me. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty darn health and well-being conscious now. So it's something that, I mean, I, I'm a neuroscience fanatic, um, and, uh, you know, quantum biology and all things functional geek. That is where I totally nerd out. And where so, did that come from? Um, I don't know. I think over time it, it, it stems from a gratitude. Um, and I, and I think that's a big thing you learn in the program is, is gratitude. And I think I had it anyway. I've always sort of been in awe of, you know, life and the things surrounding me. It's part of that self-awareness part. Um, but yeah, I think gratitude, I feel like I have the one, you know, life's too short not to love it. And I don't want to trash it. Um, I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful for this mechanism that I get a, you know, I mean, I get one vehicle in this life and, right. and I've got a lot of making up to do for all the years. So I'm kind of just trying to outrun all the damage I did. back then. Huh. So, um, what do you mean make up for the years? Um, to be so like healthy, I mean, and I'm not for the years of trying to obliterate myself, basically, you know, the times I really didn't treat myself well. And I didn't, obviously, if I'm working 110 hours a week, I'm beating my body up really hard. Sure. You know, protractedly. And so it's just that stuff. I mean, the more I learned about myself on a molecular level and on a cellular level, it's like, wow, okay, cells are amazing. And we have this incredible inner rehabilitative capacity so how, what can I do? And then I just, um, then I started taking, I hadn't gone to college at all at yet. So I started chipping away and taking some, and the more I got into it and realized like my sciency, the sciency hat came on and the biology of things to be super basic gave me the inroads to see the potential. Or, so is another that- thing we're not taught is like, if you do these things, like your body can, you have amazing power input you know, garbage right. in, garbage out, right? And I think we're not really taught and it feels like we're a product of our environment, but we don't have to be to the I extent am, we are. We were taught the food pyramid at school, which is right? a bunch of like stuff made up by the, uh, you know, FDA, I believe that put that by together. By the funders and, who paid to and, have and those right. little things printed. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I've learned all about that. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's where now, like taking, you know, I think good to better care of myself. I think some people think I take extremely that I'm, you know, an extreme, I think according to that, you know, standard American diet, uh, I think I probably am. Um, with the standard American diet, it also, uh, is, I mean, people in other countries don't take supplements 
like we only have supplements here because they take all the, the nutrients out of the stuff and then right. force you to buy the supplements as well. Yeah. The anti-nutrition of it is stunning. Yeah. That uh, it's not even breaking even. We don't have a break even. You're their anti-nutrition or are you nutrition? Like, so yeah. So I think I aim for nutrient density is yeah, what. if you can, yeah. And yeah. Um uh so I don't know. How do we get there? <laughs> to the the nutrient density of of uh everything. And so then what okay, so did that lead you to anything different? with your life or was that always, I mean, when, when was that start you going to, uh, you know, farmer's markets, whole foods, uh, something like yeah. that, or like, what was somewhat, or, I mean, that's more, I would say in the last, yeah, number of years. I mean, once I, I eventually, um, so I'm an attorney and I, I mean, I've, so I've been practicing 10 years now, but, um, so I would say it was after that time that I was able to get, I think before that time I was cooking healthier and eating, you know, better and all that. And through law school, you have very little. So I had fixed something for the week, meaning if it's decent, when it goes in the pan, my yeah. week is going to be decent because that is huh. all it's going to be. So, um, that was the planning there. And then now that I have time, I mean, there's no time in law school, um, and that, but I've gotten better. I think in the learning thereafter, as far as that's when I really, my, my neuroanatomy, my craving for knowledge and understanding, I mean, the whole body, I mean, I, I grew up fairly athletic, so I was aware the mind body integration. That was always a, a big thing. I got that I personal trained when I was young. So, I mean, there was stuffs in there, but knowledge has yeah. come so far. And I just, the craving for learning and knowledge and then being able to apply it. I mean, I'm in my own little Petri dish, right? Right, um, yeah, absolutely. We all yeah. are. Um, yeah. There's really no mystery to anything that's going on in us. We don't just get sick one day. The fact is, if we reverse engineer and unwind it, you can see um, yeah. what, what progressed its way there. Things don't just get sick. So... Um, yeah, now I don't, I try to do all organic or mostly organic, you know, largely organic yeah. stuff. A lot of real food. It's I'm not vegetarian, um, but if yeah. I'm going to get beets, they're going to be as good as I can get grass fed, grass finished and that. Um, sure. This has really been sort of yeah. got some momentum on this because I've been, I'm, I'm in a support um, role for my senior parents. And this is the basement. Um, and I've been here for nearly three years now. There was like, my dad had a health issue. That's how it started. And then there've been other things going on throughout my hospice, the 15 year old dog for 15 months. And, you know, my mom has some challenges. And so I'm running point on all the medical stuffs and doctor stuffs and the appointments and all of this. So um, after dad had his quad um, bypass, which super active, super sharp guy, um, but I had a quad and then I started, I'm cook every day. So then it was like, oh no, no, no. Things are going to be clean. We're going to have, you know, and all this. And I've, I now love it. And I wasn't, I mean, I cooked before, but not regularly. I'm certainly not trained. Um, and 
that being conscientious of that. And then I'm eating better as well, like routinely. Uh, They, their numbers, like his numbers, his blood numbers have gotten so much better. They're pulling him off of meds. Like he is my exhibit A and uh, I want to write a cookbook. Cook it. I don't measure very many things. So yeah, I don't know too. kind of a, that, but it's, yeah, it's going to be called, I, I, I love you from the inside out. Yeah. I like it. And you so, know what, if, if you don't measure things, that means you can come up with your own unit of measurement, uh, three quarters of a handful, um, you know, something, uh, or a, uh, uh, it means uh, I can put more of my favorite stuff in it. <laughs> right. All as much as you want. And um, why not? Why not? Why not have a cookie book? And then, so what? What brought you into to law? Um, so transition happened. So I almost died when I was in Missouri. So in like 2008 or nine or somewhere thereabouts. And while I was recuperating um, my eight weeks on the sofa, um, thankfully with a gorgeous view over the lake. I thought it was one of those moments again, where I was like, huh, I'm still here. What do you know? Must mean I need to do something. And this time I am smarter than when I used to think this. So I better figure that out. So while I was laying there, I um, transferred all my credits to Portland state. Cause that's, I would home base out of Oregon went off season and then travel. And so I thought I'd transfer them back and I would figure out, you know, get a degree and, so my background's in psych. And then at the end, it was the choices really were either you clinical psychology, you know, as an advanced degree or law. And I couldn't come up with a study. I couldn't even fathom doing a study. So I went law. Um, oh, do a study. You know what I mean? You have to, the minute you're in right. the grad. And um, I mean, I barely survived statistics. So I, I was a little worried on the that was the one thing uh, uh, that saved me. I couldn't, I couldn't get past uh, algebra because I took that in high school and I, uh, I would pay a kid to do it for me. So then it came back in college. But then so with statistics, the first about half of the course is all stuff out of 100 and just like, so I was able to get a plus on all that part. And then I think I flunked the rest. So I was able to get just enough to be able to get my math requirement out of the way by take, cause that was um, math 243, I believe was statistics at Portland state. And yeah, that was, that was the only one. And just because I was only able to Get past that, but um. So okay, so I didn't mean to interrupt you on that part. I was just no, uh, no, no. I love it. What's your degree? Sidebar. What did you? Uh, I dropped out. I went. I dropped out. Went worked the government. So that was the end of it. I, I, yep. I was. I was done there. I lasted. I, I, I transferred. I was at PCC, and then I transferred to Portland State, basically to get a Facebook, um, because this was. 2005, I think, I think I, I was there. And, uh, and then yeah, I, did, I think I term and a half and then I got an opportunity to get a job, a job and I was just, I was over school. I didn't like, 
I, I think I got both the time, like college or, you know, community college and regular college, I had to work hard to get a 2.0. Both, both times, like I was not going to graduate because I had like a 1.9 something GPA. And so I mean, that tells you about where I was with school. And then, but yeah, then I found hypnosis top of my class, but yeah, it's a different story. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, school, it was just not, I, I was all right leaving it and I don't I think now like I, I'd say it's a bunch on here I mean you don't really there's unless you want a piece of paper or you need a you know if you're getting your past the bar or whatever it may be I mean there's not really much need for a lot of schooling I mean there's I definitely the need to learn a lot of things but I mean you can get a full education from Harvard, Stanford, or MIT, all online for free. And anything else you can find on YouTube. And if you can't find anything else there, I don't know what, what to tell you and what it is you're, you're trying to figure out, but I mean, education's there. Yeah, I mean, in many countless different forms. And, and you know, I think it's the person who wants to learn is gonna learn wherever they are, whether they're in an organized setting, you know, um, and that you're gonna look for it. I mean, the biggest things I got out and I know I would have never gone sooner. I'm glad I didn't go sooner. I'm glad I had like life experience. So there's one thing that I could tell people is if you're going to go, take some time so that you have something to set it on. So that you have some way to, you know, critical thinking, you just have bigger vision. You can think instead of going in and learning things, you know, black and white by rote. I think that that's, you then feel it can box people in instead right. of kind of having this life to then consider, you know, the lens to consider things through. But yeah, there's tons of different ways. And the people that want to learn are going to learn in school. The people that don't want to learn or that want aren't going to learn even in, in school. So yeah. to me, I don't know. There's probably, I could probably come up with classes that I could name something specific that I learned. But to me, more than that, it was learning just to like exercise my brain. It's like going to the gym and doing more than one exercise in all these directions and you end up collectively flexible and strong. And so that's, that's what I got out of it. But I think that would have been very different if I had gone early on. I don't yeah. think that, that that is how that would have happened. And I can see how it doesn't, I guess I watch it at play in other people. Um, and then certainly, you know, in law school, it was very specific how that was applied. But again, I wouldn't have gone a minute sooner because I would not have been ready and I would not have got out of it what I did in the, not the individual discrete things we learn in the thinking process, in realizing that in it, I went into law school again, very naive um, and not understanding that lawyers don't know everything. I thought they know everything. So you have to figure out how to catalog and file everything in your brain and recall it, um, oh. which is a pretty daunting thought, right? And the fact right. is, we don't, we just know how to find it out. We know how to look for things. We know how to research. We learn how to dot connect in different ways. We learn critical thinking skills. And I didn't understand what critical thinking skills were. Critical to me was kind of the atmosphere I grew up in. It was critical. Um, it wasn't, and it's not about critical. It's not a judgment thing. It's about critically bringing in, you know, which I like as much information as I can get. Me too. And then I can... Yeah. And then you can assimilate, right? You can think through and figure out where you stand on things. 
um, yeah. and kind of sit in a place where I observe without opinion and bring it all in. Because the second we have that, you know, the thinking part, the thought of the opinion on something, then chemically we're telling our body, reject this, get that, what, you know, and we end up with confirmation bias and, and all that stuff. So what other more, people are saying. Yeah. Right. And the influences. And um, so I, hopefully I think, you know, maybe uh, as we mature, hopefully uh, that we figure <laughs> out how much of how we operate, what we think and do, isn't really our own that, you know, we've come about it by very predictable means, but that it doesn't have to stay that way. Yeah. You know, the old, I can't change. I am who I am. It's like, yeah, no, you're changing every day. You know, that's just, yeah. a, just false. It's just patently false from yeah. Yeah. at any age. Yeah. Yeah. Any age you're, you're going to still change. You're, you're, yep. uh, you're never too set in your ways. And if you are, then you're doing something wrong and yeah. you need to reevaluate your life. And be like, oh, I can change. Um, just ch change your perspective that you can change is what, what you need to do. And if yeah. you need help with that, uh, there's people to help you. And, uh, or you, I mean, but you're, you really, I mean, you need to look within yourself. It's um, all about, which is why I coach now. Um, because that's the only true frontier to me is the inside. And it's also the only power. And I don't mean that in a, you know, overwhelming sense to, or a nefarious sense, but in, <laughs> you know, the second we point at something, we're powerless. So I can change myself in any situation in that not easy, but simple when you boil it down to things, it's, um, I mean, I parse, I mean, my particular inroads, my superpower in the, in the coaching stuff, I use it with law clients too, is that parsing language and thoughts because yeah. thoughts are things, language is things. It's different because we look for the impact on a human being first, our own, and then outwardly, because we're dealing with humans, we're stuck with it and we're all animals, right? At, at the end of the day. Sure. Yeah. So and yeah. You trigger. Yeah. You're changing that circuitry all the time. And people, especially clients, they're going after something and they think the way to get it. I'm like, we got, we got to go at this differently. If you really want to get what you want and, and in changing our approach, they feel like they're not going after it. And that's a big part of the education is, ah, but you are because you're affecting, what is the effect you're having over here? You can't discount the effect you're having on the other side. Yeah. So bringing people together to, I'm not going to say compromise in that, that's too, but um, where there's more opportunity, um, physically, physiologically, more opportunity to massage things and come to agreements. You know, it's, that's, that's my approach. Very coachy. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you gotta be able to realize that something is needing to be better and i mean unless you really just don't want to uh i got a huge something outside my window um unless you don't want to and then that's fine too um but i hope everyone can evolve some way and you know make yourself better make your life better um even if you want to just stay the same make Make staying the same better. There's nothing wrong with making the stay staying the same better. Right? Uh, yeah. Uh, 
that's a streamlined big stuff. I, I think you can upgrade and it's a big thing I, you know, hit on with clients and that is you can upgrade life without upending it. Right. Yeah. Because people constantly like, oh, but I can't shift this. I can't change that. And it's like, well, sometimes that's true. Sometimes it's not entirely true, but, but you can change obviously the in here, how you show up for it. And it's like the sky opening when people, you know, do, do that. Like it's wild to watch them. They haven't in a practical respect, changed anything in their 24 seven. And yet um, there, my, my students and actors in Boston taught me, taught me that I'm a coach by their responses and the feedback, because I have these bundles. I pulled them out when I decided to shift out of litigation and, and, um, and much more weighted in the coaching side well, all more weighted on the coaching side. And I dug them out of the basement here from, you know, like 20 years ago, this bundle of cards and went through them and read them. And they were from my people in, in Boston. And they just over and over said, it was great. The show was great. Or I learned this, that, or the other, but you changed my life. And I was like, well, okay, whatever's working here. But, and then I read over and over and some people had examples because some of these individuals were, professionals by day, right? Um, power, power brokers at Lehman Brothers when Lehman Brothers was a thing, huh. uh, you know, um, executive secretaries here, mom of three there, some were professional actors, some were on their way, like transitioning out of college acting and into the field. Uh, all yeah. of these like variety of people. And yet the experience that they keyed in on was a life shift and it was the spillover effect for how, just how I instinctively approached, taught, directed that, but it spills over to their life. Like that was such a big realization to me when I really years later, look back and put those two together. I mean, I saw it, I lived it. I knew it was happening. Right. Which right. is why I did yeah. it the way I did it because it got results. And, but now I really see like how it is. Well, and I've lived it like my own life has the same effect spilling out. So, um, yeah, I really learned what I do from them. They told me. That's how you evolve. Right. Uh, that's how you move forward. And if people are going to want to evolve themselves, how are they going to get a hold of you? How are they going to find you and check out what you do? <laughs> um, they can uh, DM me. They can hit me up at Skilled Clarity ESQ on Instagram. Um, that's what I check regularly. My Facebook, you'll, I'm sure you'll pop the link. Uh, Facebook to DM. SkilledClarity.com is up. I'm not happy with the site, but you know, there was some tweaking to do there. But in any event, there's a destination. Uh, so that's that's on that side. If, uh, side note: If you need help with a website. Um, if you want to do a complete re, uh, redo of your website, um, sites.google.com, free, um, very simple. And there's also some AI ones that will take existing websites and you can literally take the parts off of it and copy and paste your own stuff. So like if, let's say that you have the, uh, uh, well, I mean, uh, YouTube homepage and you type that in, you put that in 
And then you can go and make your website look like that, but just change like a few of the banners, change the videos, put your videos in there. And so, yeah, it's uh, making a website's a lot more streamlined and easy than it used to be. I was really overwhelmed with mine and I just I got on the Google sites and did it in a few hours and wow. I yeah, will so, check it out. I don't know this yeah. stuff like tech. I just, yep. oh, oh man, yep. if there's, you want to drive me crazy, give me something that doesn't work. Like when one earbud works and one won't, and then, you know, I, I sure. mean, turning things off and turning them on or replugging them. <laughs> like, yeah. These are the things like, I am great in a crisis. You give me big stuff. I am money, oh. man. But you give me the little things like that. Well, yeah. But yeah, the, the big idea, you got the big idea there. And that's the part that's, so, that's the, yeah, you, what, what I you mean, got. I am who you want around in a crisis, hands down, yeah. you, you know, break a nail and I am, you know, the last person you want to talk to. I think that that's so, if you're, so if you're in a, if you break a nail, um, you go to a nail salon, but anything else you get a hold of Kimberly Mansfield and so yeah. Kimberly, thank you so much for being on here. It was great getting to talk to you and meet can you. Can I ask you one question about, before we go? You can ask me three if you like, four maybe. Awesome. <laughs> fine. I always have lots of questions. I mean, that's what I do, right? I mean, okay. I parse language. So here's what I thought was funny. First of all, um, when we first connected and I listened to some episodes, I was like, oh, oh. my gosh, like that my brain is kind of a Super Bowl in a round room. So looking at the eclectic, I think is an understatement for your topics and people like the athletic trainer. We've got the quantum frontier. I couldn't quite keep up with him. Um, but there's like, that was wild. Right. And I'm yeah, a I, biology person. I was like, I was in my car driving, trying to go, okay, I'm going to try and make this work. I'm trying to make this work so that, you know, that's what I do. I go, well, yeah. let's suppose it is, you know, and I'll, and oh man, I was, I was exhausted when I got to my destination. Um, yeah, that light box, I knew like a little tiny right? bit, but the rest was just like, you get this picture of something. Uh, I'm re the, yeah, I'm just going to, that's where I'm going to observe without opinion at this point. Cause I do not have enough information. I mean, all of my quantum yeah. mechanics, like, you know, um, I didn't, did not help me there. So sure. All this different stuff. There was the counseling, there's the empathy, there's the athletic trainer that, you know, and it was all, um, so there was all that good stuff. And so I popped into and listened to the different pieces, you know, of things and it was like I, this, and I love the variety. And then what's funny is then I went back. So my question, that was a long yeah. way to get to my question. <laughs> um, and keep in mind, my question comes from, because my superpower is parsing language and the impact right on the, on human behavior, human, the human being and yeah. that. So what's with the intro? So uh, the intro came from, that was, I never got to use it. I had it, well, I'm, when did I make it? I wanna say I made it. maybe 2014 or so. Um, and I was gonna use it for my entrance music uh, for wrestling, but it never came through. And so I got, I was using it for the podcast and then that just 
went to that and I was like, well, I'm going to keep it. Uh, I had it and I've, I've had it like where I had tried to do an edited version and still like they, you know, they didn't really want me to do that uh, on, the, on the shows with the edited version even. So um, I just saved up the podcast where I kind of have my ability to do what I want. And um, I shouldn't say motherfucker all the time or start it off with motherfucker. It can drive some people away, but I, it's, That's why I was curious, it's my language. Like, you know, I immediately go into that mode. I'm like, a, you know, like when you plug something into a, a system and it starts going through, it's running through my filters and I'm like, wait, hang on. Okay. That can be very, I mean, to each their own. I mean, people know what they want to magnetize, like it completely. And the right. only question I came up with, and again, this isn't a whole change is, why the the effort part um isn't just bleeped because then we all know and actually quite frankly relate to what you're saying but you there are certain individuals you don't lose at the beginning right because it's the same it doesn't take it to my mind it doesn't take away in fact i think it adds because you're kind of acknowledging i'm going to say what i'm going to say but i'm not going to rule out everybody and it has because everybody knows what you mean and everybody goes yeah no shit <laughs> right yeah uh, this this is me and um and also i mean i figure within that time whoever is going to stay around is going to kind of understand because there's going to definitely be times when there's stuff that i say that is going to be you know maybe polarizing maybe um out of left field, maybe interesting, uh, maybe funny. I don't know, but it allow you. It will maybe get some people away who eventually would probably not enjoy what I'm doing. Um, kind of filter, filter some people out sometimes, and and yet you've got all of these like like across the board like draw on topic wise of, you know, some pretty substantive stuffs. And I was thinking, oh, I wouldn't want anybody to miss that. Oh, I wouldn't want anybody to miss that. Oh, yeah. I, um, I don't know. That's just my vote. Just one beep. Yeah. I still know what? where you're coming from. Um, there is no mistake there. And I do think people resonate. Um, but it has See? just. A, you're a, saying put a beep in there. Well, just over the upper part. Okay. Well, I mean, it wouldn't be very hard for me to do that. Uh, you know, because again, we all know there's no mistake to what you said, right? but it opens the door a little more for people who might, you know, right out of yeah. the gate, assume, because I don't think you can take that and assume that you're not going to know you're going to miss all of this stuff. You know what I mean? These topics, right. like they're just, you know, beautifully all over the board which I happen to love and lots of them hit on things that like are, you know, square up my alley. I have a list of ones that I saw that I didn't have time to listen to. I'm going to go back and listen. Um, Thank you. Yeah. But only um, a, yeah, just only a beep over that part. Yeah. Well, one of my good friends has told me uh, the same thing is that you can get away and you, you don't, you don't need to be saying fuck. Uh, and yeah. Okay. Well, I'm yeah. Not saying that I have a princess mouth, but I am. Um, right. Um, it's only for that because 
my superpower is parsing language. So, so just so you know, right. that's where I'm coming from. That, that's kind of what he says too. So, um, so for our episode, will you put a B? Yeah. Uh, next one, I will. This, this one is because it's already done. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll do it on the, I'll tell you what, how about on the second part? Because I'm going to play it again here and I will go somehow bleep over it. I'll um, turn it down for a second and I'll say something. And then, because it's, it's recorded all live. So it's, uh, yeah, it just kind of goes. But I trust that you have the technical know how. Yeah, well, it's, it's the least technical know how to be able to do it without having to redo anything afterwards and no post-production stuff to just be able to throw it right up. But I can do it for this one uh, for sure. And I will have the weekend to oh, work on something for new. Yeah, you're welcome. And so, yeah, thank you for coming on and um, yeah. have, yeah, we'll have a good rest of your day and I'll make sure that it is not there at the end. All right. All right. Thanks. Yeah. It was awesome chat. Yeah. I appreciate you having me. Well, likewise. Good uh, luck with everything. Thank you too. All right, that's Kimberly Mansfield. Uh, so I'm not going to say motherfucker. So I'll just say it there. Um, but yeah, I'll uh, maybe I'll figure something else out. There was a tape I have. If you go to my YouTube channel, of uh, there's uh, the Fire Water Burn song by Bloodhound Gang, and it's the Beavis and Butthead remix. And so, because um, they say motherfucker on that, so. Maybe I will take some of that and do that. So, hmm. I wonder. So, if I go and I open something up and I go to Beavis and Butthead, get some quick little clip video. I bet there's no like short one. Uh, yeah, I'll figure that out some other time. So I'll just do this. So you guys, thanks for listening here on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network, QGBN, with other great shows such as Fred Ben Savage's Buck, Stone Reads, Productions, Hardcore and Entertainment, Hypnosis is Great, and Sockemup.org. Check out other great shows on the Quantum, Bro Quantum Global Broadcasting Network, such as When the Gloves Come Off, this is it with Lizzie, the Thinking Man's Pro Wrestling Podcast, and Saved by the Ben. And that is the show, man. Boom! It's Rusty Diamond Ma. It's Rusty Diamond Mother Darner Ernest. Ernest! <coughs> yes, Pee-wee. You brought the snacks, right?